1: Hello and welcome to Man on the Post World Cup Review, it's Day 7, my name's Dave and today I'm joined by Andy, how are you sir?
0: Yeah, not bad, thanks, how are you?
1: Yeah, very well thank you, Uh, yet another new combination for you this week on Man on the Post, Uh, squad rotation is in full flow, (laughs) Um, four more games today to get through, Um, as ever a mixed bag Um, and none more mixed than our early fair today which was Tunisia 0 Australia 1, Um, and earlier in the week, I described Australia as the worst qualifiers in this year's tournament, obviously excluding Qatar, who didn't qualify. But yes. um, then Australia went today and beat Tunisia, who were fairly decent in their opening game. Um, what do you make of this one?
0: Yeah, Tunisia, I, I thought, played uh, relatively well uh, in the first game against Denmark. I thought they, they, they did a fairly good job of containing them, although we'll, we'll come on to Denmark's game later on. I think there's... There's an element of of whether there's a lot of containing to do with with Denmark when they don't have a, an out and out striker. But yeah, Australia I thought were were excellent uh, and what I saw of the game, I unfortunately missed most of the first half. But second half I thought they defended very well. Tunisia created very little. I do think a big part of that was down again to how well Australia defended. Harry Souter was was outstanding. Uh, One really good kind of sliding tackle late in the game. I seem to recall. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly there was there wasn't much against France that suggested they were they were going to win this game. I know they they took the lead in that game, but that was more down to France than it was Australia, I think. And uh, so yeah, this one was was a bit of a surprise, but I, I think just about deserved over the ninety.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. They always seem to have them at arm's length. I mean, uh, wasn't the best game we're going to see in this tournament. It was a little bit scrappy in the second half, in particular, which really. Stood at Australia. I haven't had that lead in the first uh, half. It was, it was a great header from uh, from Duke, who I don't know an awful lot about. Um, but uh, that's all it took. Um, and like we said the other day, Tunisia were, were quite good against Denmark. Like you say maybe not against the prolific opposition, but they, they they you know they ran and they hurried and they looked like they were up for the up for the task. And uh, today we didn't really get the chance to see an awful lot of that. Um, they were disappointing uh, and. Well, I think they're almost certainly out now unless they can uh, spring a surprise without spoiling the result the next game. But if you listen to this without knowing the scores, then more fool you. <laughs> um, we'll not spend loads of time on, on, on this, this game in particular because there's better stories to come to. But um, elsewhere in this group, um, France beat Denmark 2-1 this afternoon. Um, I was looking forward to this game uh, and it... Never quite lit fire as much as I expected to, but it was was very watchable for for the most part. Um, France won 2 1, two goals from Mbappe. um, Andres Christensen, Iguazin for Denmark in the middle of it all. Um, What did you make of this one?
0: Yeah, uh, this one followed a very similar pattern to the the Portugal Ghana game, Mm, where the first half was just very cagey. Um, perhaps more understandable from France, given they they'd banked the three points in the, their first game against Australia. Denmark, I was a little disappointed with the general. I know they came back into this one, but I thought... I'd, I'd, I've said this about a few teams at this World Cup. They'd, they'd be really good if they had a goal threat. Mm. And Denmark, with all due respect, to the likes of Dolberg and, and Braithwaite and, and so on, just don't have as much a goal threat as you probably need to win a major tournament. Um, France were... I I thought France were were decent. You could tell when they stepped up that they had the greater quality. I I made the mistake of commenting on on Twitter just before Mbappe scored the first that I thought that in some ways he had regressed as a player in the last two years and that he would need to leave PSG if he wanted to become that kind of multiple Ballon d'Or winner that he hmm. clearly uh, strives to be uh, and then of course he scored both our goals um, yeah I think France were just about good for the win here maybe if question marks defensively given how easy Christensen was able to score Denmark's equaliser but yeah going forward I don't think there's much doubt that France are, are going to make the later stages of this tournament
1: Yeah I mean obviously they are the first team to book their place in the last 16 but um, when Denmark equalised, it, it felt like there was only going to be one winner, and that was was Denmark for probably ten minutes or so. When, and um, Braithwaite put one wide, which I thought had actually got in because it hit the, the sort of the side net. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and they're kind of sitting there thinking, well, where's this Denmark been? Because as you say, that they were very very cagey, um, and it's all very well spreading the goals amongst the team, but sometimes you just need someone who's going to take those difficult chances, and uh, they just don't seem to have that. Um, and it's obviously going to cast them out against the, the, the biggest teams. Uh, in many ways, I, I didn't know if the, the result this morning actually didn't help Denmark here because the pressure was off a little bit. And it's an odd thing to say, but they, know, they knew going into this game that win, lose, or draw, if they beat Australia next week, yep. they'll go through. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that's the... That's, you know, that's the not saying they wouldn't try to win this match, but I think they knew that as long as they didn't get hammered here, they'd have a pretty great opportunity to beat Australia. Um,
0: yeah, that, I think that kind of I can think that kind of sums up the caginess in the first half that, that we spoke about. Denmark, I'm sure, would have loved to have been in a position to win this game and, and kind of almost guarantee their qualification at this point. But I mean, yeah, I get the impression that a, a narrow defeat against the the current world champions probably is isn't going to hurt them too much in the long run?
1: No, you, you wouldn't have thought so. Um, so that leaves the group, uh, as I say, France are through with six points. Australia at second with three. I think Denmark and Tunisia on one each. Um, but I would have said that Denmark's last game is against Australia, uh, which is basically a shootout where will go through. Um, <laughs> I don't want to count Tunisia completely, but I'd be very surprised. Um, Even if France rotate their entire eleven, I think they'll have too much for Tunisia. Um, Can you make an argument for them, the opposite of that? No,
0: no, absolutely not, especially after the Australia game. You know, that was, I'm sure, Tunisia before the tournament looked at Australia and saw that as the game where they were most likely to pick up the points and having failed to do so. I agree with you, I think we'll see big rotation from France. And I think they'll still probably comfortably win that game. So, yeah, it does just come down to that, that other game between Denmark and Australia.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got somebody, like, like you say, he's going to strive for the Ballon d'Or. I can imagine he'll probably want to play as many games and score as many goals as possible, especially yeah. against opposition like Tunisia, no disrespect. But the game is going to get harder from here on in, you'd think. Um, fill his boots now, puts me in a decent position for the golden boot. Um, yeah. But aside from that, I think there'll be quite a lot of changes. Um, I mean, they're, they're looking at having to lose by probably five goals, maybe four goals to, to not finish top. And that would involve Australia beating Denmark, which again, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I
0: didn't realise France were the only team in the group with positive goal difference. <laughs> um they were are sitting there in minus two in Denmark and Jersey are both on minus one. I don't know if I've ever seen a group like that before, but um It's very strange
1: it- where a team who loses so heavily in the first game and then comes back and wins the second game like yes. you know <laughs> especially in the World Cup they uh you know you don't get an awful lot of fodder teams then come back and win. But um it's kind of a I know obviously a lot of problems with this World Cup, but one of the things I've enjoyed is that um there's very few teams who've shown absolutely nothing. Um We've seen a few teams sort
0: of bounce back. um. Yeah, I mean, France, Spain, obviously, England, I think we we all thought after the first game, obviously the second game has maybe dampened those expectations a bit. But outside of those kind of three teams, it feels like the other, what you might consider, bigger teams aren't quite getting the respect, I think, they expected from some of the smaller teams. And it's made for, well, it has made for, unfortunately, a few too many nil-nils from my liking. And the more entertaining games that we've seen so far, it's made for some some good stuff where it's these smaller teams are kind of stepping up to the bigger teams and saying, "No, you come and beat us."
1: So why why do you think that? I think it's I like the location is favouring maybe the likes is. of you know your, your Senegal and Japan's so or maybe. Um, do, I
0: do think there's a part of it, you know the fan and uh, participation as as a big part of football. Those bigger teams don't have a lot of fans there, although Argentina and Mexico, I think, both seem to have brought a good few fans with them. But, I mean, the France-Denmark game was, was very quiet. Because again, they're, they've just not brought many people. But I do think there's an element as well that even the smaller teams now have multiple players playing in kind of top five mm. European leagues, and that maybe they're better. Maybe they're just better than than we've been given them credit for. And I think at the moment as well with some of the bigger teams, I, I don't think there's a team in this tournament you can look at and say they don't have much in the way of weaknesses. And it yes, feels like yeah. teams are better coached to exploit some of those weaknesses now. So, yeah, it, it's um. don't get me wrong, when you get the games like Qatar versus Senegal, which was, a, for the majority of it, a very poor game, you will still get poor quality games in this <laughs> yeah. But the, the kind of smaller teams versus bigger teams, the gap definitely seems smaller.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair comment. Um I think one of the teams who probably discussed yesterday were Ecuador, who um, I don't think people really expect much of them. Obviously, a lot of people sort of tip Qatar to beat them in the opening game. Um, but you've got to bear in mind like, if Ecuador comes through that South American qualifying, which is the most brutal of the qualifying for me, um, you know, there's, there's not many weak teams in that South American section. They've got to have something about them, and I, I wasn't that surprised that they've got a draw the Netherlands after uh, after watching both their opening games. So, um,
0: yeah, I mean, Colombia and Chile aren't at this tournament, yeah, yeah. and the, the, those are two still relatively good international teams. So Ecuador are, are definitely no mugs.
1: Definitely not. Um, let's go back to the, uh, the action. So Group C was the other game, uh, the two games of today. Um, this is a dark horse group. I think a lot of people expect Argentina to run away with this, and it's actually become possibly the most interesting group of all um, after the the results so far. So. Um, in the lunchtime game, we had uh, Poland 2, Saudi Arabia nil. Um, this looks like an easy win for Poland. Um, it wasn't quite like that, though, was it?
0: No, I mean, for a, for a team that scored 2 and hit the woodwork twice, uh, I think Poland are probably lucky to come away with a win in this one. Saudi Arabia, again, they're a fun watch. Saudi they Arabia, are. they've, they've got players who are willing to take players on. Uh, Aldousary. Um, is, is a very good technical player. Um, the the boy in midfield, the, the, the tall, what is it, Kano? Mohamed Kano? Oh, I yes. Think it yes is, yeah. Who yeah. I thought he was excellent again today after being excellent against Argentina as well. There, there are no mugs, Saudi Arabia. They're probably this tournament's, in some ways, maybe along with Qatar, actually, this tournament's best kept secret because they don't have a lot of players in the. The top five leagues, but in some ways, it feels like that benefits them because they're a much closer knit group who have all been playing together basically all season. Whereas, you know, a lot of the other teams have come to this tournament needing, you know, maybe not being quite as acclimatized as they would for, for summer World Cups. Mm. Um, Poland, I think, will probably feel they deserve the points given that they did also hit the woodwork twice and there have been some debate about the, the penalty that Saudi Arabia missed in the first half but yeah I don't know there's just a, I still don't see a lot about Poland that inspires me much from a neutral point of view I would I would rather Saudi Arabia got through to the next round than, than Poland to be honest with you but um, they did what they had to do they were clinical and and again they'll feel they deserved the, the three points
1: yeah I think uh, Saudi Arabia had a lot of fun Um kind of drawn parallels with that, that Senegal team in 2002, obviously you know, causing a huge upset early on. And then, you know, as you, no one really knew the Senegal players at the time, I don't think, anyway. So I'm sure I didn't, anyway. But um, obviously a lot of them went on to get big moves. I'm, we'll have to wait and see whether Saudi Arabia's uh, star men get similar moves coming up. But they, they have been a breath of fresh air. Um, and we're used to these. They, you know, Saudi Arabia's been beaten you know, 8-0 by Germany and in certainly in my lifetime. And... Um, the streets ahead of where, where they have been in previous tournaments. Um which is great to see.
0: Um Yeah, a, a lot a big part of that a big part of that credit should go to Her Renard mm, yeah. uh, who's who's clearly coached them very well. They they all know their roles. They all stick to them largely. Um unfortunate for the second goal that's just an individual mistake. That can happen. There's no yeah. no fault of coaching or anything there. But um yeah, I I've got hopes that Saudi Arabia will will manage to get some kind of result from the last game. Because I think, I, also just from the point of view, that I always think it's better when a well-supported team makes it further into a World Cup. Yes. And Saudi Arabia are probably the best-supported team at the tournament, arguably more than Qatar. Uh, it would be good to at least see them make Round of 16.
1: It would be brilliant. I think it would, do, it would do the tournament no harm whatsoever. Um, and they've got every chance. Um We'll, we'll go over the connotations in a moment after we go through the last game here, which um, just finished an hour or so ago, which was Argentina uh, 2, Mexico nil. Uh, Argentina laboring to a win, but probably deserved on the night.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Mexico offered very little other than a lot of perspiration. Um, <laughs> they, they work hard, but like other teams that we've mentioned in this, they just they don't have a goal for it. Not not the way they're set up anyway. If they were to change their set up, maybe give Raul Jimenez a start and maybe flank him with Lozano and A other. Maybe then you've got a bit more of a presence, a bit of a threat up front. But the way they're currently constructed, they, were, they weren't... Certainly, they didn't really threaten Argentina. And as poor as Argentina were, they definitely deserved... I think on the balance of play to to take the three points.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Mexico in the build-up. I was listening to Tim Vickery gave them a lot of um, said the fans weren't happy with how conservative the coach was, um, and that shone through massively in their in their two games so far. Yeah, um, they haven't, as you said, offered an awful lot, uh, which is strange for someone like Mexico because you know, generally, because they're the strongest nation and one of the strongest nations in the qualifying group. They tend to be more attacking. They tend to obviously have to go and take the games to these teams to, to get to get to get through. Um, but that just hasn't been hasn't been evident at all here. Um, and they're not, you know, they haven't got bad attacking players. I mean, as you mentioned, two or three there who are pretty decent. But um, I'm going to assume the manager will not will not be around too much longer.
0: No, um, th- 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 I think they mentioned that during commentary tonight actually that he, he had a very good unbeaten start when he took the job like three years ago but like in 2021 they lost three consecutive games to the US in different tournaments um, that won't have gone down well we know how strong the rivalry is between those two mm-hmm. countries when it comes to football and again, Mexico as you said, they're a passionate nation you know, football is, they are one of those countries where football's is the religion um, I can't imagine they're particularly enjoying some of the football they're seeing out of their team. The coach will argue, the coach will argue that he can only work with what he's got in front of him. But um, yeah, they were very poor. So even though Argentina, as we said, weren't exactly inspiring themselves, they were. there was only ever going to be one winner in this game if there was a winner.
1: Yeah, so that leaves the group I, I said at the start of this little roundup that this is a kind of a dark horse group because I think mean, most people would expect Argentina to be over the line by now but uh, as it's turned out Poland top the group with four points which seems mad considering it's been, yeah, been average at best uh, Argentina second with three points Saudi Arabia third with three points and Mexico bottom with one point but mm-hmm. uh, all four teams will go in that last uh, that last day of, of matches no one as a win will take them through um, Mexico against Saudi Arabia and Poland against Argentina. I, I guess there's a scenario where Mexico could win and Poland and Argentina draw, and they'll come down a goal cool difference. Um, yeah. So I, Argentina, fun. I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, was going to say, because I, I, I realised I talked a lot about Mexico and not much about Argentina there, Argentina need to do something with that formation. Mm. Because <laughs> at the moment, it makes no sense to me where they're playing players. they Their central midfield... To me, appears to be Rodrigo De Paul running all over the pitch for ninety <laughs> minutes yes. with with little in the way of support. Um, looking at the, looking at the way their squad is constructed and the players they've got, to me, and I'm no coaching expert or anything. Uh, to me, they re- they really should be thinking about going to a, a back three, a set a central midfield three. And then let Messi play off a striker up front because they've got decent wing backs. I think Acuna is better than he has shown in this tournament. Montiel's another one who's actually pretty decent. Yeah. I imagine they've got they didn't start Christian Romero today, for instance. They could start him alongside the other two, and then it just gives Paul maybe two more uh, defensively sound um, midfielders around them. That would mean dropping Di Maria, but I mean Di Maria's done nothing in this tournament, so. Yeah, it's just a a very bizarre... It's like they don't seem to have a formation beyond the back four.
1: No, you're you're right. And with Argentina as well, I mean, it feels like every year they come into the tournament with um, problems of some sort. Um, But this year they came in on the back of, what was it, a 36-game unbeaten run? Yes. And obviously I don't see a lot of Argentina outside of tournament football, but you look at that and you think, well, they have obviously sort things out. They know how how to set up now. They finally found a system to get the best out of a lot of players. The won the of America, which is no mean feat. Um, but if you take all that all that out, as you say hey, you look at what they're setting up with and you think, well, well it doesn't make any sense. None of it does, really. Um, no. They've got gaping, gaping issues pretty much all over the park. Um, and yet, they had enough to win tonight. Um, I found it interesting that you know, McAllister, who we obviously see a lot of with Brighton, um, totally anonymous in, in this setup. Um which is, which is strange, because Brighton hes obviously very involved in the play. Um.
0: Yeah, I was excited to see him start tonight, actually, because he, he is in very good form for Brighton. Brighton have obviously been pretty decent this season in the Premier League, and McAllister's been a big part of that. But again, when, when you presumably don't have much of a clue where it is you're supposed to be running <laughs> or, or making moves or, or passing it, then yeah, it's, it's no surprise he didn't have a great game.
1: It does feel a lot, and it, we said that's the first game, that they give the ball to Messi, and a lot of them sort of just stand and watch him. <laughs> I think, well, he's not getting any younger. You're going to have to move and help him a bit here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I
0: mean, it was a moment of magic to, for the the goal. They mm. scored a, a very typical Messi goal in a lot of ways, the driving shot into the bottom corner. But, I mean, that came from basically a standing position. We saw a couple of times where he tried to make some of those incisive runs through the middle that he's made previously in his career and that actually one fairly decent bit of uh, half-time analysis that I heard was that teams used to be scared of Messi when they got the ball in the midfield and they'd back off and now you've got people like going in and muscling him because they know he's not as quick and they know he's not quite as nimble as he used to be so this this idea that you can rely on Messi to take you to a World Cup final is, is, is going to backfire on Argentina hugely at some point
1: it is I, I feel like a fool for picking them to go far because based on the previous mentioned runner form plus you know like the the, the um, sentimental value of you know, Maradona passing away and being the first World Cup since then and everything else like you just look at it and go actually it's not a very good team <laughs> <That's the problem. laughs> yeah. lots of good individuals um, but like you say no no case of plan and all their centre-halves are pretty much a walk yellow card um, yeah Against against I mean, you know, the way to go and they could play France in the next round and mbappe will eat them up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Like you just bet on all of them getting booked within the first twenty minutes. Um which kinda leads on to where I want to go next, which is um the way the group groups are shaping up. Um we might end up with you know, France will win group D. Um, it's very possible that Argentina will come second in uh, in Group C, um, probably not that possible really. When you look at the connotations, but <laughs> uh, if you, if I had to ask you, how do you think this group will finish finish up? How how would you how would you rate them?
0: Um, I d- I, d- I don't think Argentina are going to get out of this group. If I'm being honest, I think Poland are probably going to take a point off them. I think Saudi Arabia have got it in that we beat Mexico. Again, just for the fact that I don't think anything we've seen yeah. from Mexico suggests that they can they can beat Saudi Arabia, if Saudi Arabia show up and play as well as they have the first two games, of course. I think there's a real possibility Argentina go out in the, the group stage here. Um, it was kind of posited before the game that Argentina were probably looking at having to win both games. Um. Poland, again, well, well, I wouldn't necessarily suggest they're brilliant. I think probably have enough to stymie Argentina and get the point they need to top the. Well, it wouldn't be top in the group at that point. It would be Saudi Arabia, I guess, would top the group if they do beat Mexico. But yeah, Argentina should never have been in this position, given some of the talent they do have at their disposal. But you know, it is what it is. I think it's poor coaching. I think it's an over-reliance on one, maybe two players, as you said. And, um, yeah, I think they've brought this on themselves and I think they'll be the, they'll be the first big casualty of this World Cup.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a very real possibility Poland will play with a back 10 uh, and just uh, come, come, and <laughs> yeah. break, come and break us down. And uh, unless, as you say, the little fella gets, uh, gets enough space and time to, to do what he does. Um, there's not novel of inspiration in there. Um, Latour Martinez. I think it's
0: also a lot to be asking Messi to play three games and whatever it, is. it ends up being eight days. Yeah, it's, it's going to be. Could be tight, he's yeah. Playing every game for PSG. Yeah. Um it, it was at walking pace by about seventy-five minutes of that game tonight. It will be earlier than that against Poland, unless as as we've discussed, Argentina mix something up and and give them a bit more support.
1: That's a very fair point. Um, the One of the many negatives of this World Cup is that um, they're ramming so many games in a day to get it done quicker. Um, so one day less recovery. Um, I think if PSG had three games in, what probably amounts to maybe eight days, is it? Um, yeah. I'm not sure he'd be playing all three of those. and He certainly wouldn't be playing 90 minutes in them all.
0: No, he would not. He'd be um, definitely be missing at least one of those.
1: So it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on either uh, Group C or Group D before we look ahead to Sunday's action?
0: Uh no. I think uh, again, France looked like the the class across both of those groups. Uh, I think they still have issues as well defensively. I, d- I don't look at this tournament and see one really outstanding defensive. I'm being honest, so that I can you can make that criticism against any of the teams. But yeah, Saudi Arabia. I don't. I've just get this if saudi arabia topped the group that means they would probably end up playing australia or denmark saudi arabia will fancy their chances in either of those games as well so yeah i i think they will they will definitely come out guns blazing against the mexicans and yeah we we'll, we'll see what happens
1: yeah it's uh, it's it'll be very interesting to see saudi arabia go in the quarters, um, because it's, it's almost become a, I say a home tournament given, the, <laughs> given the, the, uh, the tensions between themselves and Qatar, but, uh, as you said, they're well supported. Yeah. Um, and that can make a big difference. So very interesting. Um, that group will finish up on, I want to say Wednesday. Let's check Wednesday. Uh, we- Wednesday, we've got, obviously the games become, um, simultaneous. So, um, Group D is in the afternoon on Wednesday. That's Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia, France at 3 o'clock. And then uh, Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, you've got Poland, Argentina, and Saudi Arabia Mexico. Um, in the more immediate future, though, tomorrow, we will see the second games in Group E and Group F. So Group E in the morning, we've got Japan, Costa Rica. Are you uh, setting the alarm for that one?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm... Um... Unfortunately, I'm an early rise on no matter what day that is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'll get a chance to watch it before the wife and kids wake up, I think. But uh, I think that could be a decent game as well.
1: Yeah, well, it's a good thing about well, second round of games is a lot of the Cajun's has to go out the window. So if you're Costa Rica, um, a draw is absolutely no good to you here whatsoever, given you're a minus seven goal difference. So they've, <laughs> yeah. they, they've got to come out and play. Um, and I think Japan... Will always go out and play. They, they just, from what I saw against Germany, they're, they're, they're a fun team to watch. Um, so this might be might be a decent game.
0: Yeah, Japan certainly showed Germany no respect in that first game. I, I imagine they'll show Costa Rica even less with all due respect to Costa Rica. <laughs> um, Japan, it's odd considering they did score two against Germany. They're another team where I kind of look at the front line, and I think they might struggle to score against better organised teams but Costa Rica only that team so I'm expecting a Japanese win
1: Yeah, I mean, it's with Costa Rica I've made a mistake of writing off bad teams in this tournament already and then come back and have been really good <laughs> I just can't say from Costa Rica it seems like a tournament too far for a lot of their players who were you know, very good in 2014 Um <laughs> Yeah,
0: and I mean it's not like they unluckily lost against Spain and could use that to galvanise. I mean that was that sure a demoralising defeat, uh, shipping seven in your first World Cup game. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to cause many problems here.
1: It just leaves them absolutely no margin for error. Like um, as I said earlier, you know some teams can get a draw in game two and then go on and uh, go on and sneak through, but uh, I just can't see it with. Uh, with a minus seven goal difference. Um, what I find amazing about Japan's squad is that um, Newcastle spent not an insignificant amount of money on Yoshino M- Muto. From, um, he was in the Bundesliga at the time uh, about five years ago, and he's not even in the squad. <laughs> how, how has so, that happened?
0: Yeah. So, obviously, being a, a Scotsman and being a Rangers fan, I'm, I'm kind of well-versed in, in Celtic squad at this time. And the, the other one that was confusing for me, and by all accounts is confusing for a lot of Japan, was uh dies in Maeda. Oh yeah, sir. Picked ahead of Kyogo Furahashi. Because Furahashi is almost universally regarded as the much better player. Yeah. Uh he's the one who scores goals for Celtic. The the impression I get from Celtic fans about Maeda is that he's a he's a very very willing runner. He probably fits Postacoglu's team quite well in terms of being a pressing forward. Um but if you're looking for goals or a moment of inspiration it's it's Furahashi. And so the decision to not take him and take my is, is baffling for me
1: it's strange um oh, I guess that was not the reason why, but uh yeah, it's yeah, I, mean, I guess we only see some players um they must yeah. must have a better idea, but no, I do find it, I do find it odd that we'd spend such a huge sum of money on a player who apparently nowhere near the setup now, so <laughs> that's even better
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um. The other game in Groupie is the big one of the day, which happens uh, tomorrow evening at 7pm Spain versus Germany. Um, where basically, unless Germany win, they're going to go out after two games, which is unheard of.
0: It's it's crazy. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be brilliant in this tournament because of the. I feel like they'd have done better. I can't believe I'm saying this. But I mean, if Timo Werner had been fit, I think. We're having a different conversation here because while you may have doubts over Werner at kind of club level, at international level, he's got a very good goal-scoring record for Germany. Um, it would have allowed Kai Havertz to take up a more natural position as a number 10 rather than as a number 9 as he's kind of being forced to be here. Um, yeah, it's just as it's, it's bizarre to see. In some ways, I kind of think it mirrors your point about uh, Costa Rica maybe being one tournament too far. You know, Thomas Müller's still a good player. <laughs> Should he still be starting in international games for Germany? I think that's maybe an indictment of Germany's squad strength at this point. Um, Neuer is is still a very good goalkeeper, but I mean, was he making mistakes like he did for Japan's second goal four years ago? Probably not. Um, yeah, and given how well Spain played in that first game, it's, it, it's a very real possibility that they're out come uh, 8.50 tomorrow night?
1: Well, it would be a surprise um, from going into the tournament just because it's Germany. Um, but as you say, if you scratch me the surface, I think we said a few nights ago um, Germany are a little bit in transition for the reasons you've mentioned there. They've kind of got a lot of older players and a lot of very young players and not an awful lot in the middle. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's quite apparent in that game against Japan where, you know, years ago, you never have a German team go ahead against a smaller nation like Japan in terms of, you know, f- f- uh, World Cup history, shall we say, yeah. um, and then give that away. um, It just wouldn't happen, would it? Um, no, it would,
0: I would not. I, I would like to see them give um, Mokoko, uh, more of a run-out against Spain than they did against Japan. I think they probably won't because they'll feel like they need to play the experienced players, but is very exciting could be the answer long term to the goal scoring problems they've had for a, a few seasons now, uh, a few years now, sorry. And um, but yeah, I've got a funny feeling they'll just play the old timers again.
1: Yeah, I think they'll go back to well one more time. Um, no one find well that if it fails, and that'll be the end of their their national careers, I would imagine. Um, there will never be a better time to, to move on than going out after two games of a, of a World Cup group. Yeah, um, but. We shall see. Um, obviously, we'll touch on Spain very briefly. 7 Seven zero against Costa Rica. Were they that good, or Costa Rica that bad?
0: I think there was a, a, That's a cop out. I think there was an element of both. We, we've spoke about how Costa Rica. This is probably one tournament too far. They looked very poor against Spain, but again, Spain can only beat what's put in front of them. I thought some of their passing was a, was a joy. At points, I think Pedri is well on his way to becoming the world's best central midfielder. He's probably got to be pushed quite hard by the the boy who played alongside him, Gavi, (laughs) who's another outstanding player. Um, Defensively, again, as as with most of the big teams at this tournament, I think that's maybe where you look at them and think there's a little bit of concern there. But uh, Spain, yeah, I, I really enjoyed a lot of what Spain did against Costa Rica.
1: Yeah, and kind of, you know, there may be a tournament ahead of Germany where you know Spain had their nightmare a few years ago, went out as defending champions very easily um, and ripped it up and started again. Um, And I think that's more or less where Germany are now. Um, And this can be the result. You know, as you said there, they've got two players there who are well on their way to becoming the new Xavi Nesta. Maybe not identical in styles, but that kind of reputation. Yeah. and that's it, you know, you've got to blood them. Um, there's no point hanging on to the, the old guard forever. Um, group F is also tomorrow. Um, this is Belgium versus Morocco at one o'clock. Um, <sighs> group F's possibly the dullest group for me. There's not an awful lot to get excited <laughs> about, mainly because Roberto Martinez strangles the life out this Belgian squad. Um, yeah. at, I mean, what, what's your take on how he, how he goes about his business yeah, with Belgium?
0: Yeah, so, I mean... As, as we know from his his time managing in English football, he is married to the three at the back, which <laughs> can work if you've got good, exciting uh, wing-backs. Belgium don't. <laughs> um, Their wing-backs are there primarily in a defensive role. You're not going to get much in the way of attacking all of them. I do think they've got some good players that they could bring in. I, I, it feels to me like we're at the point where uh, Trossard should probably be starting ahead of Hazard, for example. Um, I think there's, I think it's been proven at Inter Milan that Lukaku works better with a strike partner. He doesn't normally get one for for Belgium. I do feel like this has been a case of people talk about Belgium's golden generation, and I, I think you could certainly make that argument. You would be able to make that a much stronger argument if they were managed by someone more progressive. And mm. then in Martin
1: Yeah, it's all very Sven in England for me, um, where England's golden generation were effectively managed by a man who just stuck to four four two all the time, which is just it's mental looking back that we hired this progressive foreign manager and all he did was play a four four two and wouldn't change it, <laughs> despite having like the three best sentiments in the country. For, yep. you know. But anyway. Um he, he, he i just don't understand how like Michi Batchwise made this comeback when I mean, he was already right, got the goal the other night, but he was he was awful for the most part. Like His touch is so bad. Uh, he took his goal well in the end, to be fair to him, but just his all-round game is nowhere near like what I'd expect it to be. Um, yeah, I
0: feel very sorry for, for Kevin De Bruyne, because uh, you, you can see what he's capable of in the Premier League when you give him a half-decent forward to feed balls through to. Um, you know, at this point, De bruyne Haaland is probably about 20 guaranteed goals a season. But yes. um, Lukaku is a close enough facsimile, facsimile to Holland where it feels like that should be a more productive partnership than it is. But again, that's also dependent on you know having players who can who are also willing runners to drag other players out of position and so on and so that doesn't happen for Belgium and so teams are able to kind of focus in on that partnership and and cut the supply line so. Yeah, I feel
1: sorry for Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, well, he he still picked up Man the Master of the Night despite not being at his best, which probably says more about the game itself than anything else. Uh, And the final game of the day is Croatia and Canada. Uh, Canada were decent against Belgium, just without the rewards of a goal. Um, Croatia, without overusing a phrase, uh, again, might have been a tournament too far uh, with some of their agent players. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Luca Modric is still an outstanding cent- uh, central midfielder at whatever age he is now. Was it thirty-seven? Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah. I think he is. Yeah. But I mean, the likes of uh, Ivan Perisic that that kind of feels like a season too far for him because he was pretty good for Inter Milan last season. Hasn't really shown up for Spurs yet. They have the same problem that so many teams in this tournament have that they don't have an out and out goal scorer. You know, Crammerich is a decent player, Levi is a decent player, neither of them is twenty-five to thirty goals a season and subsequently aren't going to be getting you five, six goals in a in an international tournament. So yeah, I agree. I, th- I think there's I think they'll probably just about have enough to see off Canada given they still do have Luka Modric. Um but at the same time, Canada, this is a game Canada will probably fancy their chances in.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting clash of sort of useful exuberance against uh, maybe agent legs. Um, so, be really good to see how that one plays out. Uh, that one is at four o'clock tomorrow. Uh, that does us for today. Um, Andy, where can people find you on Twitter, should they wish to?
0: Uh, if they wish to, they can find me at Site Tyson
1: lovely stuff Uh, we'll be back um, tomorrow with uh, the review of the games we just previewed Um, but as ever thanks for listening and always remember to keep your man on the post (laughs)